Welcome, everybody, to Infinity Zen Podcast, Episode 4. Once again, we are still absent Ryan, but you know what? It's okay, because he had a little family emergency involving a knife. It's... It's not as morbid as I made it sounds, but you know what? It's okay. We can make light of the situation. Get better soon, Nicole. All right. So once again, we uh, also have the lovely Alyssa DeLuca. Um, For those who listened in on episode three, I already um, established her credentials, and um, I'm sure she also established her own credentials just by talking. So go ahead and introduce yourself. Right. Uh, Good to know that my credentials are on par for your podcast. (laughs) Good to know. Um, well, I'm, we wouldn't I'm, have welcomed you back if you had worn. <laughs> right. I resubmitted re- my resume. My cover letter was was up to date, you know. I guess it just it just worked out. Yeah, that it did. Uh, and once again, we are drinking our wine, um, our lovely Pinot Grigio. And As we do every night. Yeah, because you know what? Wine is the cure-all for all of life's problems. It's really not. Don't become an alcoholic. Mm-mm. All right. So... Um, for those who either didn't listen to episode three or just haven't listened to it yet, uh, we spent the majority of that episode more or less, uh, addressing some, I would say more existential philosophical questions more so than just, um, personal, uh, philosophical questions per se. So we'd like to do some of that, um, this episode. So we came up with a decent ledger I would say for the night and hopefully it won't be as long as the last one was but if it is I really don't give a shit um so first and foremost we're going to just jump right in so this question hasn't been weighing on my mind too much lately but it kind of came to mind um a couple hours ago so in this sense of the question before I prompt it to you I don't necessarily mean in the sense that, like, monetary value, you know what I mean? Right. Not even necessarily, like, sentimental value, just, like, what is valuable to you. So the question really is, how do you determine value? How do you determine what is valuable in your life? For me personally, I would say something that fulfills you, Um, something that regardless of sentimental or monetary, something that you connect with, you know? When I think of value, I think of something that's benefiting me as much as I'm benefiting from it. So, um, can you give an example of something that has value to you that doesn't necessarily have monetary or necessarily sentimental value? Hmm. On campus, I co-run with one of my good friends a club that is, I've stated this in the, in the past, but I am big on marketing and advertising. Uh, we currently run a student-run marketing firm, and as much as it does have sentimental value to me, I think also on the superficial level, the experience that I get from this firm, I get to work with clients, I get to have a team working under me, so on and so forth. And then on the other side of that, um, not only do I benefit from from this firm, but I guess not to put myself on a pedestal, but I feel like this, this firm gets to benefit from having me as well. <laughs> it's not to risk it sounding 
sounding as cocky as it's coming off, I think it's it's a it's a give and take relationship, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, as someone who's worked in my field a really long time, I feel like I have a really unique perspective on things, and I that's definitely helped bringing that to the table. So I feel like it's helped me grow as a person, but I'm so invested in this firm that I'm consistently working on the financial side. I'm consistently working on the internal business, working with clients. It's just a all around give and take relationship with this student run communications firm. Mm. Um, And that has value to me and I hold it near and dear to my heart. So yeah, it's sentimental, but going past that, I just think that what this has done for me and the way that my friend Natalie and I have changed it for generations to come and and students who are ambitious and passionate about the field and the way we are um, definitely has an impact. You know, when we first started, there were 30 kids. Um, I think the first... So you you started this? No, no, no. So it started, um, I want to say 2009. Okay. Um, and it was never known to be a great organization, but my friend Natalie and I decided we wanted to flip it and we started our sophomore year of college and worked our way up. So I want to say the first meeting that I went to, everyone showed up in sweatpants and pajamas and, um, and it was, it was interesting to see that everyone was passionate about it, but not as passionate as we would have liked. So, yeah, we spent a lot of time. We spent three, three years working on it. Now we just finished our interviews and our first, you know, we raised enough money with sponsors and everything to have professional business events at the end of every semester, mm. have our clients come in, get to treat our uh, the people that, the members of the organization, and this past semester, we had over 200 applications. So I think from us putting that time and effort into it, it has benefited in that, and now it has more value as being one of the more prestigious organizations on campus. Mm-hmm. But we've also learned to grow and also run this organization as two individuals. So a give and take relationship for me. That's how I define value. Oh, okay. So ultimately something, that, like you said, I guess to break that all down is kind of like something that benefits you as much as you benefit it. Right. Okay. Yeah, I get that. I mean, I think that ultimately, <clears throat> I don't, don't necessarily want to say that's like the definition of value, but I mean, I would think that a lot of people would deem something that's ultimately beneficial to them in their life would be deemed as valuable. So for me personally, um, although I don't, benefit the books except i benefit i'm sure i benefit the authors from buying their books i would say like um books is like it's under the umbrella of just general information so i i I see information as valuable i see um new perspectives as valuable i see opinions and um just new ideas as valuable um sounds very uh, I guess like founder-esque by saying that like you know the people should have a voice and then you know having your opinion and voicing it is valuable in and of itself but I mean like my best example for something that I deem as valuable would be um, either The Conservative Sensibility by George F. Will or The Tempting of America by Judge Robert Bork 
Personally, I view them as valuable to myself because of the fact that not only did they give me a new perspective, but they've also helped me a lot in um, understanding uh, a lot of my fields a little bit better. So, I mean, for example, like um, I had this one person on Instagram ask me, uh, I think it was a question regarding how to get a job post-grad um, if you feel like you know nothing. And I, and I ultimately said, uh, the most important thing that you can do if you feel that you haven't learned enough inside school is to learn more outside of school and you know obviously I was doing that a lot before I enrolled in Brookdale when I was having that uh, I think it was like a year and a half hiatus of school and you know I um I learned a lot and I think that really set me up for success in what I do and it's got me a long way and I literally just did that simply just by reading books about the topics that I love so I think value is, I would agree with your definition, value is something that you benefit from and uh, sometimes you don't benefit that particular thing, but sometimes you do. Mm, right. I, I can also say something that helps you grow. Yeah. Grow individually, you know. Something that makes you a better person. Right. And I even think going back to that natural cycle and how it all works out, listening to music, you know, for, for something so little, it, it defines your mood, you know, it it helps people stay sane. It's, it's a coping mechanism for a lot of people. But then on the other side of that, you're also supporting someone who's who's putting their art form out there into the world, you know? Yeah. I think value doesn't always have to be this life-changing thing, but the little things that we do day to day, you know, getting up out of bed. Um, <laughs> so for that, for, for some people, that's a lot. Right. Um, just knowing there are the teeny tiny little things that you do in your day to day that have value, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, that support you as an individual and that help you be a better person, whether it be listening to music to motivate yourself for the day, whether it be taking some time to, I meditate a lot. <laughs> um, the little things, it's, it's understanding what helps you grow as an individual, what helps you be a good person. And essentially what it comes down to is what makes you tick, you know? Yeah. Why do you do what you do in a day? If you were to take your entire day and dissect it and without you know, looking back at it, you know, just doing your day mindlessly and then looking back on it and say, why did I do this day the way I did it? Is this helping me? Is this hurting me? Mm -hmm. Why did I do each and every little thing that way? I think understanding that and going into it and seeing what has value and what might not, you know? Yeah. And value is, value is a very interesting word because I feel like a lot of people have their own uh, definitions of it because <clears throat> people people that usually don't have a whole lot of valuable items around them, usually people that are like in a struggling financial situation or something, they'll, they'll often say that value is like family, value is um, you know, the, just like the little things that you do every day. And that's definitely a valid argument. For me, it's a matter of, I, I find value in things that contribute to the person that I want to become. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like, cause I know I can fully understand that I'm not there yet. But I know that there are certain things that will get me there, you know, like the continuation of reading books, the, um, the, the fact that schools as institutions exist, mm -hmm. and the fact that, you know, like the, there's um, a lot of information to be had, especially in the field that I'm in, and I think that all that information and all those different perspectives on it are valuable inherently. So 
again, like I said, I agree with the definition that you proposed that, you know, it's things that are beneficial to you. Mm-hmm. But I expand on it by saying, like, it's beneficial to you as to how it is beneficial to the person that you want to become. Right. Like, how will it help you down the line? You yeah, know what I mean? and, and I think that you and I are similar in the sense where I never see myself as, I mean, I see myself as comfortable with where I'm at, but I'm always, I guess hungry to learn more, mm-hmm. hungry to do more. I'm never comfortable in where I want to be, and, and not in a way that makes me feel uncomfortable, but I just always want to push myself to be better and do right. better. And another thing, too, it's a matter of, like, I, I think there's a certain danger in becoming too comfortable with where, where you're at. Right. Right? You know what I'm saying? So, like, the fact that I think, I don't know if anyone, like, said it in a formal um, quote, but, I mean, I think it's a, it's a given philosophy um, of life where you're, you know, as soon as you start to feel yourself become comfortable in your current situation, immediately make yourself uncomfortable in it and, you know, get on to the next phase. Absolutely. I, I think the comfort zone for me personally, because my mind is always running a thousand miles a minute, mm-hmm. my comfort zone is the scariest place for me because I never want to get stuck there. Right. You know, I always, I'm always challenging myself. You know, I, just landed a really good job and I'm very proud of myself but that's I'm not done you know um I think my job holds value to me in the sense that I really appreciate what I'm doing and I really and I'm so grateful for the opportunity but that's not where I want to end up you know yeah it's it's a great opportunity and I'm I'm it's like a stepping stone to get to your next right and and I I think it took a lot for me to get where I am now but it's going to take way more to get to where I want to be mm-hmm. and then I find out where I want to be after that and after that and after that so it's my job holds value to me even on a well sentimental and monetary value because I love it and they're it's your paying your first post-grad me. job too. it is That's it a is sentimental thing um but at the same time it's it's a way that helps me get to where I want to be you know I want to be a very successful person mm-hmm. it's taken me a lot to get into that mindset and getting into my comfort zone at this point would only hinder me you know yeah and it, i'm not saying the comfort zone is a bad place well it's 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 not a bad place but i feel like it's meant to be experienced temporarily right you know what i mean i don't think the comfort zone is ever meant to be permanent oh no of and i not. think that a lot of people mistake it for that you know a lot of people get comfortable in life and think that all right well i'm i'm here and that's it mm-hmm. and if, if that is your mindset absolutely by all means go for it uh, just for me personally, and I think for you as well, because we're very similar, I just, I want to keep going, you know? Mm-hmm. I think it's so insane how much potential each human has in their life, if you're willing to work for it, you know? Right. Well, I feel like a lot of people, <clears throat> I feel like a lot of people um, t- tend, to deny, tend to deny their potential. You know, like a lot of the times you'll hear, you'll uh, give someone like a word of encouragement about like what they should be doing. Like, um... Uh, I talk to a lot of people at work um, who don't go to school and I tell them that they should and they're saying no it's not really for me and like I understand like that school is not for most people mm-hmm. but a lot of the times they'll voice you know, like you know they'll, they'll voice ambitions of wanting to do something uh, that technically requires school you know but in that same vein they'll go ahead and they'll just say well I don't think I'm cut out for that or I don't think I'll be good enough for that you know right and I want to say that nine times out of ten, it's not that they're not cut out for it. It's just that it's out of their comfort zone, you know? Um, 
And I think, obviously, I can't just speak for everyone on that. I, I know there's other aspects, like financials and, and other things. Right. But... But, I mean, well, to, to add the caveat, you know, it's, it's not like there aren't a plethora of resources out there for people right. to struggle financially, you know? Right, absolutely. Um, I'm very deep into student debt. Um, I am not because I went to community college. I am because I went to a Big Ten school. Good job. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, the costs of getting away from everyone that you don't like. The cost of starting a brand new life. So, um, I, you actually, you, funny enough, you kind of touched on a point, um, I think when you first started talking about... I don't remember exactly what it was, but you, you mentioned something having to do with like an ego or something like that. So that's a good transition into our next se- segment here. Oh yeah. Um, so admittedly, you and I both have extreme egos. Huge. And quite frankly, I think it's our egos that prevent us from having the shame of admitting it. Um, but you know what? I'm okay with that because at the end of the day, I can recognize not only the <laughs> just pouring wine here anyway um fueling myself for this podcast yes yes absolutely <laughs> so like i said admittedly we're both egoists um i am arguably a narcissist not in a bad way where it's like i'm like i plan on like obtaining a certain amount of power so i can unleash like my wrath on people like that it's not the kind of narcissist i, I mean uh, i'll definitely expand on that as we go um, so the question prompted is, um, is having an ego a benefit or a disadvantage? And I think that we're both relatively, um, uh, I don't want to say qualified, but we're, we're the right ones to ask about this. We, we fit the criteria. Yeah. Because we, <laughs> we both have egos through the roof. And again, I'm not, I'm not afraid to admit that because it's absolutely true, but I'm not sure, I doubt you are either. No, absolutely not. I have a huge ego. <laughs> so, would you say it's a benefit or a disadvantage to have an ego? I think it's a benefit. I mean, I think it could go either way. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think if I didn't have an ego and I didn't want to push myself, I would be stuck in my comfort zone. Okay. I think that's where insecurity comes into play, where if, if you don't believe in yourself, you think to yourself, well, maybe I'm not good enough to do X, Y, Z. And I think for me, I've, I've, I personally have an ego because I found my little, my little niche in the world and, and I excel at it. And, um, well, explain a little bit more about your ego. What, what are the characteristics of your ego? I would say that my ego is more my work ethic. You know, I, I, pride myself on being a very very hard worker mm-hmm. i'm always doing th- i've said this a million times on this podcast and i've only been on an episode and a quarter at this point um not even a tenth i know but i'm just always doing things where i know these things benefit me going back to value i'm i'm I try to do some sort of workout every day i'm always reading and trying to learn more i'm always I currently work a full-time job. I take, I'm a full-time student in college and I work two internships simultaneously. Um, And I wouldn't be there if I didn't have that work ethic that I have. And 
you know, a lot of people come to me and they say, well, why do you do all these things at once? And I don't have that. I, I wouldn't be able to do that. It's, it's too much for me, blah, blah, blah. Um, and when it comes down to it, that's just what I want to do in life. Right. I, I, I want to be busy. My mind is a very busy place. So <laughs> I, in some weird way, filling that with things that make me better and will give me a successful career down the line it almost helps it subside the busyness in my mind a little bit. So when I, when I look at my ego... I think of it from a place where I've worked hard enough, both on myself personally, physically, whatever that may entail. And then on top of that, I've worked so that my future self can live comfortably, so that my future self can be a good person and, and continue the work that I've started. Okay. Um, so I don't think I border narcissism, but I think that, um, <laughs> I think that when I look at my ego, it's just because one day I was just so tired of being in my comfort zone and I, I might have said this before, but my first major, I, I swore I was born to be an architect and to design these beautiful houses. I would drive through neighborhoods all the time when I was a kid um, and just look at the architecture and I swore that's what I wanted. Mm. And I would spend 10 hour days in the studio and my professors would tell me that it wasn't enough, that I wasn't as good as my classmates and I needed to be putting more time and effort into it. And that broke me down for a while. And I thought that I could let it consume me. And for a while, it, it made me very insecure. You know, I wondered what was wrong with me. And in reality, there was nothing wrong with me. It just wasn't where I fit. So once I found where I fit and I excelled at it very easily and very quickly, and I rose to the top of my class, you know, I, I took advantage of that. Um, and that's where my ego was born. <laughs> um, you know, just coming to the realization that I want to be a good person. I want to be a better person. I want to be a better person than I was yesterday and the day before that and the day before that. Whether that be working on myself physically, mentally, personally, career-wise. My ego stems from wanting to be better. Not for anyone else, but for me, you know? Right. So... I think we can both acknowledge that there are benefits and disadvantages to having an ego. Um, so I guess this is where like the economic aspect of opportunity cost comes into play. So it's like, I'm not saying that one has an option in having an ego or not. Most of the time, it just kind of happens. It just kind of develops. But um, in weighing the benefits and the disadvantages of it, um, what would you argue are the benefits that outweigh the disadvantages of having an ego, for you, at least. I feel unstoppable. And that's probably one of the most egotistical things I could say, but really. I'm, <laughs> I don't compete with people. I compete with myself. You know, That's one of the things I've trained myself for years to never compare myself to another person. Um, and that's benefited me so much, you know, because when we compare ourselves to other people, not even people that are just, you know, our peers, but people on a professional level and in a professional setting, um, that's where the insecurities come. And, and it's taken me a while to realize that I don't need to compare myself to anyone because I'm not living their life, their life, and they're not living mine. So when I looked at that from an outside perspective, kind of an omniscient view, mm -hmm. um, I just realized how much I was worth, you know, and 
having that ego to me, it's not being overly cocky, you know, it's, it's being humbly confident. Mm-hmm. Um, it's knowing what I'm capable of. And if I didn't have an ego, I wouldn't know what I was capable of. You know, if I didn't wake up every morning and try to push myself, I wouldn't know what I was capable of because I'd be competing with other people. But I don't now. I compete with myself and I compete to be better than the person I was yesterday. Okay. It's understandable. Um, so, I don't know. My personal experience, I I would honestly say I've experienced a little more disadvantage to having an ego than benefit per se at least in regards to how people perceive me but then again my ego kind of gets in the way i'm just like i really don't care how people perceive me i think the difference between you and i is i have a very happy ego and i feel like yours isn't monotone per se but i'm very flamboyant with my emotions and i'm very in your face kind of but you're, you're in your face in a sense, like, Haley, look what I'm doing, like this, that, whatever. For me, I'm just like, don't talk to me. <laughs> like, right. You're kind of like um, like a black cat, you know? You're mysterious, but you're better than everyone. That's a way to put it. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I mean, personally, and this is, I guess, where like it kind of borderlines narcissism, for me at least, but... I've come to a point in life, and I'll explain much how you did how I got here, where I genuinely don't care um, what people's opinions are of me. Um, I genuinely don't care uh, what people have to say about me. The only time it bothers me is anytime someone like lies about me or something like that. It's something ridiculous, but I mean, at the end of the day, I'm just like, if I know it's not true, then what do I what do I really care? Um, but for me, like, I don't know. The benefits of my my ego or my quote-unquote narcissism really have just been personal benefits because they've helped me um, not, not be consumed by the thoughts of, oh, what other people think of me. Because that's how I used to be all the time. I think that's a mindset that a lot of people are stuck in. Exactly. And I think once you finally let go of that, you know, once you finally realize that that doesn't benefit you in any way, shape, or form, you know, and, and it, if anything, it, it hurts you, you know, right. comparing yourself to other people. And it almost stems, not a hatred, but a dislike for the person you're comparing yourself to, even if you don't know them, because it's, it's this constant, you know, mind game that you're playing with yourself. And the only person in the end that it's hurting is you. Right. And for me, it was a matter of, because... Obviously, like, you know, like back in my high school years, especially, high school was a horrible time for me. And, you know, I was I was telling you in the car earlier, like, you know, like I was viewed as like an undesirable person, like not even just to be in a romantic relationship with, but just like, you know, I was undesirable to be around. I was undesirable to, to associate with. And the, I never really compared myself to another individual. I would always compare myself to the idea of an individual, wherein... It wasn't like I had a name and I had a face of the person. It was like I was always comparing myself, back then at least, to the idea of what someone would want to associate with. Mm-hmm. Like those certain characteristics. And then over time, um, especially after I got out of high school, um, what really bolstered it was the fact that 
I came to terms with the fact that people are going to not like you regardless of what you do. Mm-hmm. They're going to always have something to say regardless of whether or not you give them a reason to. And they're always going to have some judgment to pass against you whether or not it's garnered or not. So when I came to that realization, it didn't manifest how most normal people it would manifest in. Other people would just be like, who really cares? I'm just going to do what makes me happy. For me, I ultimately came out to who who cares? I certainly don't, but I'm going to prove everybody wrong anyway. Right. I that's like- that's what it came out to for me. Yeah. Um, and I think that... Um- in life for me and I think I know we've both had shitty situations in the past of where course. that and, and that's ultimately where an ego can stem from is being treated or having poor situations in the past um, so for me I was told that I couldn't do it you know certain people told me I, I couldn't do it so I became better than those people exactly you know and it, it's I love if there's one thing I love it's proving people wrong I will prove anyone wrong um I guess that's definitely an egotistical thing to say, but I love it. I love the challenge. I love, and it's not even that I'm proving them wrong. I'm proving to myself that I can do what people thought I couldn't. Well, that's another thing too for me. It's just like, um, when I say that I was going to prove people wrong anyway, it was like, I was going to prove people wrong, not what they thought of me, but what they thought I couldn't do. Mm -hmm. Like what they thought I couldn't become or things that they never saw me becoming. Because sometimes, like, you know, like, when you go through, like, regular um, school with somebody, ultimately, like, there are things that you don't even necessarily think of them doing something because it doesn't come to mind. So I'm the kind of person where I like to catch people by surprise in in the sense that, like, if someone finds out what I'm doing, they're like, holy crap, I didn't even think that he was capable of that. Right. Not even, like... Not even the kind of person that's like, oh, there's no way he can become X, Y, or Z. It's going to be like, holy crap, I didn't even realize that was a thing for him. Mm-hmm. You know? And I think you and I, well, we've met a few times before. <laughs> but when, yeah. we, when we got, um, when we realized we weren't seven anymore, and we reconnected back whenever, that was one of the first things that you and I clicked over, was our, our desire. Well, yes, our egos. First, <laughs> of, first and foremost, yes, our egos. But when I first started talking to you, it, it was interesting to see someone who wanted to be as successful as me. Because, I mean, especially in a town that we live in, that mindset's very rare. Mm. So me finding someone that I could connect with on a level of someone who, who wants to work hard and see the finer things in life, you know, that was something that we originally started vibing over. <laughs> um, I guess, I don't know if that's the right word to use, but that's originally what struck my interest towards you as a person because Mm. we connected over that you know you you meet so many people in life and how many of them share the same ambitions as you um and you know i I go to school with with a lot of people yeah (laughs) Um, because it's a big campus yeah so but going back going back to my little hometown you know I, i i've gotten so so comfortable in my campus of 60 70,000 people you know I you know I, I see the faces that walk by me every day but coming back to this hometown and finding someone that 
gets me, you know, after living here my whole life and, and finding someone that really understands what I'm saying, you know, and, and feels the same way. It's like a, it's like a, it's, it's like a, a feeling you get in your chest. You know, when I think about my future, I get excited and I, I, it's like an adrenaline rush to me and to finally meet someone who shares that view was nice, mm -hmm. you know, and I think that's where we ultimately clicked as two people. Yeah. Granted, your motives are a little bit different than mine. It's not that I'm not doing what I do for myself, but in that same vein, it's also in the back of my head that I'm doing what I'm doing just so I can be better than the people who thought I would become nothing. You know what I, I think, mean? And I actually said this earlier today. Our egos are two different things because you are left-brained and I am right-brained. So you are the very logic and... St strategic driven type of person where it's that's the lawyer in me what can I right, say point A to point B uh, you're, that's the, the mysterious black cat in you and my right brain stems from the whatever wacky inflatable arm tube man that I am where I'm just this ball of creativity and in your face and happiness and I just get so excited about these things and being artist being an artist and being creative and, and doing all these things and, and watching those all come to life you know, I think that's where we differ as two people, but I also think that's where we balance each other out. Yeah. For me, um, so like what you kind of said, like, you know, your reaction to um, thinking about your future, um, how you get like an adrenaline rush and like you get excited for it. For me, I think about my future, I get excited, but I'll have like that like maniacal like laugh to myself, like, yeah, I'm going to achieve that. Like, it's like that kind of thing where it's just like I cannot wait to achieve that just so I can like you know say that I achieved it and mm -hmm. it's, it's weird I guess it's a way to put it um it's already established that I'm a borderline narcissist but you know what I don't really care because you know that's just who I am at the end of the day I enjoy thinking and knowing that I'm better than other people and again you know sure that can come off as very narcissistic I'm sure whoever the hell's listening to this probably just turned this podcast off right now. This person needs some, to go. Some I, random person in Texas is like, I what? don't care one bit. <laughs> I don't. Because, again, at the end of the day, I'm just like, my opinion. Okay. And in, the, in regards to, like, morality, like, I still abide by all moral codes. But I, I do everything that I do with, you know, within a moral standard. And I think it's because of the fact that I can do everything, like, and justify it as moral like I can view myself as like this not, I don't want to say higher being but I can view myself as someone who is again above other people and I can say that I got there by doing the right thing and by making you know my vision for myself come true so and it's it's not even that I don't think others can get to the place where you or I are at because anyone can you no. know if you work hard enough mm. No? no? You don't agree? I don't agree. I think I think if you have the right mindset and you work hard enough, someone can prove me wrong. I would love for someone to prove me wrong. I would love to look... I mean, I want to say that I'm not a judgmental person, but, you know, in, in some cases, people just judge by nature. Um, I want to look at someone and say, I don't think they can outwork me. And I would love for them to look me in my face and tell me, you are wrong. And then outwork me. Mm. Do something better than I can. I would love that. See now, it's not it's not even a matter of I don't like the idea. It's just like I know it's not possible. Like mm. no one is going to do what I've done to get where I'm at. Because 
again, like we've talked about, like, you know, uh, the course of events that got me to where I'm at, you know, like all the things I like kind of like went through and everything like that. So, you know, I'm not trying to play victim or anything, but like, you know, arguably speaking, my life from seven to about 18 was arguably pretty hellish and I didn't have any course of action for that. And that's where I was like facing my depression. That's where I was facing like a lot of my anxieties and uh, ultimately nihilistic ideas. And then the fact that I one day just woke up and said, I'm not doing this anymore. Like I'm going to better myself. I'm going to make sure that I plan every single thing that happens to me so I am in total control. And I, I can admit that like, you know, you're not in control of everything in your life, but for the most part you are. You're in charge of what you want to do. You're in charge of the, the course of action that you take in order to get there. You're not in charge of the outcome, but you're in charge of the actions to get there. And the, the things that I've had to work for, that I've accomplished easily, I'm not sure if anyone would be willing to do that, nor would they even think to do it. Because I took a very odd route to get where I'm at. Mm-hmm. And for a lot of people, I know a lot of people my age who technically have gone through similar things, you know, like dropping out of community college and trying to figure life out, and they're still stuck in that spot. For me, I took my time, figured it out, and then as soon as I figured it out, went full steam ahead. And, you know, who can really say that they went from a sub one GPA at Mercer? to dean's list at the at the next community college right not many people and at the end of the day it comes down to mindset you know it's very rare to find someone with the same mindset as you yeah and that's again like granted yes the dean's list certification for me really bolstered my ego a lot because <laughs> i oh god when we were still on campus i was walking around that campus i was like yeah my name's on that list bitch like you know it was oh you were one of those people and you know what? There were people that tried to challenge my knowledge on stuff, and when I shut them down, I shut them down hard. You're competitive, too. I'm extremely competitive. That's another thing. I'm competitive in the sense that I don't take on competition that I know I can't handle, and those are few and far in between. The only ones I know I can't handle are the ones I'm not 100% informed on yet, but I know I will be able to take them on in the future, and I will conquer them in every aspect. But anytime, anytime... Someone even, like, especially people in my friend circle, if they ever have a political opinion, they know not to bring it to me because I will shut it down if they disagree with me and I will embarrass them in every every possible way with their knowledge, you know? Mm-hmm. That's just the ego that I have. I would, I would say that's a little bit of a narcissist. I don't care. But... Call it what you want. I'm going to call it what it is. is. You know what, though? Is it narcissism or is it the truth? You be the judge. Exactly. (laughs) And that's where we define egocentrism versus narcissism. Yeah. So, egocentrism, I would argue, is derivative of egotism, which is separate from egoism. Egotism is when you ultimately disregard everybody else in favor of yourself. That's not what I do. I would argue, mm-hmm. because I, I would argue that I am someone who's considerate. I would argue that I'm someone who, I mean, like, I care about people's well-being. I don't care about their opinions. <laughs> you know what I mean? 
Yeah, and I think I think that's what the the differentiating factors between egocentrism and narcissism are is is how you take into consideration other people's opinions. Um, you know, whether it be you understand their opinions are there, but you don't care, or you just don't even take their opinions into consideration at all. Right. Well, ego. Egocentrism, like I said, is a derivative of egotism. Egotism, if I remember correctly, is more so um, every action that you take benefits you in some way, shape, or form. Right. And you can never accept the possibility of taking an action that might disadvantage you in any way. For me, I've taken a lot of actions that have disadvantaged me in the current time, but knowing that it might benefit me in the future, or at least having the inclination that it might benefit me in the future. So... Um, egocentrism versus narcissism. Narcissism. It's tough. It is. Because they're very similar, but they're also contrasted in a lot of ways. Yeah, definitely. You know, they, they have the same undertones. And I would say people who are on the spectrum of egocentrism and narcissism, you know, it's similar situations that get them into that position where they are if they're an egotistical person or if they're a narcissist um but it's it's tough to really define one versus the other mm-hmm. you know i think it all comes down to why are you that way and and how far are you willing to depend on your ego you know right so like I said, it's, it's tough to to draw the contrast between the two. I'm not a psychologist, so I really don't know all the answers for that. Um, but from my general understanding, I would argue that narcissism is more so... Like, you can be compassionate, but you could also just be like, I'm still better than people. Egocentrism is the, I'm, so, I'm better than people, and therefore their well-being no longer matters to me. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's the main difference between the two, you know? Yeah. So, obviously, I would argue that narcissism is better than egocentrism, but you may have a different opinion. I think for me, I might have it flipped, you know, I, by definitions than you do, but at the same time, I'm not a psychologist either, so... It just comes down to personal belief at that point. Yeah. Well, I mean, I feel like, you know, like, analyze, like deconstructing the word itself, you know, like, egocentrism, you know, centrism being, um, or ego being the root word, and then centrism being the, um, what's the other term for that? There's root word, and then there's something else it's, word. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about. It's the, the secondary one, whatever it is. Whatever it is, it's extremely late apparently we're not english majors either no and that's why regardless it doesn't matter um but yeah ultimately you look at the word and it ultimately says that you are centered around your ego you know like everything is centered around your ego which is your vision of yourself and your pride in yourself which ultimately necessitates that um all focus has to go to you. Mm-hmm. Whereas narcissism, it, that's more so, like I said, it's just like you can easily think that you're better than people but still have some type of uh, compassion or at least consideration for other people. You yeah. Know? But 
Yeah. Going back, I would say that there are benefits and disadvantages to having an ego. Um, in regards to societal consequence, I would say that there's more disadvantage than benefit. But for personal matters, I would say there's a bigger benefit than disadvantage. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, like, if you're talking about, like, personal disadvantages, sometimes, yeah, you could be lying to yourself about, like, you know, like, how good at something you really are. Or, you know, you can just be lying to yourself about who you are in general. But in that same vein, it's like, if you've actually achieved what you think you have achieved, or are going to, or are on the pace to achieve what you think you're going to achieve... I think that's a benefit because that's what keeps you going. It's just the ultimate, like, you know, I'm still going to continue doing what I'm doing because not only am I capable of doing it, but I'm also the best at doing it, you know? Yeah. So that's I'm just going to note really quick that I just typed an entire sentence without even looking at it while looking you dead in the face, and I'm very proud of that. Good job. Oh, well, that, that's, that's a skill that only our generation can have. Truly. That's the, um, I always argue if I'm a Gen Z or millennial, um... You're on the cusp. Yeah, I, I would say I'm a cusp, but I would say the ability to text full sentences without even looking at what I'm typing is the Gen Z in me. Yeah. Emphasize autocorrect helps a lot. Oh, definitely. Uh, Alright, so moving on from choking our own egos. Love it. <laughs> um... So for this segment in particular, um, this isn't necessarily having to do with like the the liberty of privacy, but more so just like the personal aspect of privacy, like why it's why it's a virtue to not have people in your business, why it's a virtue to not have outside forces in a sense weighing a thumb on the scale of how your life goes, or what you should believe, or what you should do you know what I mean so in talking about the virtue of privacy I'm more so talking about why it's important to be left alone even from people who are closest to you to an extent if you're doing something that's like uh, inherently harming yourself then you know you should not be left alone by the people that care about you but if you're if you're um I don't know an example for it, but if... I get what you're saying. Yeah. I think as people, we as, as human beings, we tend to be nosy, you know? Humans are a nosy species. And it, it's weird when, when you think about it because at the end of the day, everyone has things they want to be private about. I have things that I don't want people to know. I'm sure you have like inner workings of your mind that you don't want people to know. Or yeah, usually I'm too open about what I what goes to my head. So people. I I, I anyway. definitely I word vomit a lot, um, but at the end of the day, people, human beings deserve to have privacy. You know, when I, going back to the Gen Z of it all. Um, It's a big thing in modern relationships to be very active on what your significant other is, who they're texting, going through, the, through their phone, what they're doing on social media. And I just completely disagree with that, personally. I think um, 
if you're in a relationship where you feel the need to go through someone's phone and not have them have any privacy to themselves, that to me reflects more on you than it does that person. I don't know. I think, I think to, to an extent or not even an extent, people deserve privacy. People deserve to live their own lives. And you know, my, my time where I spend alone, uh, I'll expand on that. People deserve to live their lives. Um, in the sense that personal choices that don't inherently affect others should not matter to other people. Right. Um, there are just things that I, I do where I just want to be left alone, you mm-hmm. know? There, that don't involve other people or other people's opinions. Um, but I don't know. I just think when it comes down to it, be wanting to be a private species but also being a very nosy species there's bound to be conflict there but it comes down to boundaries at mm-hmm. the end of the day and you know what boundaries are you as a person willing to put up for yourself for your own sanity right. and i think that people people in general you know i don't really care what people are doing with their private life you know whatever someone does in their spare time as long as it's not hurting them or anyone else i don't care you know, mm-hmm. do do whatever you want or need to do. That it, it just doesn't involve me. You know, and and my my personal beliefs, opinions, choices, etc. Don't involve other people. Right. So I mean, for me personally, like, uh, I mostly care about privacy in that I don't welcome other people's opinions as to um, who I pursue a romantic relationship with or who I want to be friends with or um, really like that's like the bulk of it for me because I feel like that's where the most intrusion of privacy is nowadays because a lot of people have something to say about that but they don't have anything to say about anything else you know like I remember I'm not gonna go into much detail but there was a conflict regarding you know like who I was hanging out with uh, a couple months ago and that ultimately caused a huge divide between me and someone that I've been friends with for a very long time. And again, that's a shame. But at the end of the day, if it's going to be that kind of issue where I can't have the privacy of like, I want to just chill with, you know, with another person, like then that's, so, I'm sorry, but like, I just, that's not, I'm not going to entertain that, you know? And it, it's unfortunate because, you know, Going back to that, um, people compete with what's in their head, you know? Yeah. If, if um, it goes back down to, to insecurity at the end of the day, and I'm, I, don't, I don't mean to call anyone insecure, and no one in your situation particularly, that's not what I'm saying, um, but people get involved in those situations when they feel insecure in a sense, you mm-hmm. know? If, if, if they didn't care, then they wouldn't be saying anything or if it was a respect thing or anything like that. I think that what you do with your life, not even just you, but anyone listening, anyone as an individual, what you do in the life choices that you make, as long as you're not hurting anyone, as long as you're not blatantly disrespecting anyone, even, a, even if you are blatantly disrespecting as, as long as it abides by a certain moral code. <laughs> right. Um... At the end of the day, you're the one living your life. You know, you wake up in this body that you're in. You're the one who makes your own decisions, not people for you. 
And people can have opinions on the decisions that you make, but at the end of the day, it's not their place, you know? The only person that really gets to judge what opinions you make is you. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's a concept that's really tough for people to grasp, especially nowadays in the age of technology where um, our lives are kind of put out there for everyone to see. And to explain on that real quick, another thing too is that um, privacy is really... Uh, hard to come by in the age of social media because I mean again you've had the experience of posting stuff and people who don't follow you but know of you that you don't want to see your stuff they, they view it and that's a really weird invasion of privacy you know it is but it's also you know my choice to put stuff out there on the internet and at the end of the day um, I don't think people you know when 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 we look at someone's social media we see the version of them that they want us to see. When you look at my social media, you see what I want you to see. You see who I want you to think I am. And, and I'm, I'm pretty close to who I am on my social media, but at the end of the day, when we look at someone's social media, we don't know their history. We don't know their past. We don't know who they are as a person or what their values are. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you have pets. I don't know if you have siblings. At the end of the day, if I'm looking at your social media and I don't know you, I don't know you. I just know what you show the world and what, and that could be a complete mask. That could be completely transparent. I just, it's, it's interesting to see how we judge people on the internet based on their social media accounts, because I could walk by people in person and they could look at my social media and think that they, they know the world about me. When in reality, it's what I want you to see. You know, I, I don't want people to see the deeper complex side of me through social media because I don't think it's necessary. Yeah. And I think a lot of times, too, like if you ever think about how weird it is, how people can form opinions based off of face value um, uh, information. Right. Like, and, and that's the age of social media yeah. where it's, it's all face value opinions. And, the, and the, But it's weird, too, because these opinions go so deep in these positions that people have on another person. They go so hardened because it's just like it's really the only information that one can get. And really, it's all they take from it. And in some really weird um, paradox, they ultimately take face value information and form these ridiculous opinions about somebody that become arguably hostile. Right. And I've, I've had people look at my social media and completely dislike me as a person solely based on what I'm posting and what I'm doing. You're not and posting I, anything wrong. It's no, just... and, and I think you can get an idea of me as a person. I think you can understand that I'm a creative and, and weird and out there and and a little odd. <laughs> but at the end of the day, if you're not sitting in a room with me having a conversation about me and who I am as a person or, or vice versa, you know, if, if you're looking at my social media and I don't know who you are, and I just see you, you know, I, I would love to take that time to get to know you, you know, rather than just create this opinion on you based on the mask that you essentially show the world. And I'm not saying that I put a mask on on social media, but it's common, you know, we yeah. don't we don't want the world to see who we really are. We want them to see the best versions of us. Right. And that's kind of the problem with social media is that everything is so glorified and and this perfect standard essentially that we don't get to we 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 do as humans we do judge people based on what they post on social media but is it really our place or our right because i i i'm a mysterious person on social media i'll i'll post like uh 
random thing saying I'm in a place where I'm not. Like one day I'll post I'm in Pittsburgh, the next day I'll post I'm in New York. I just like confusing people. Mm, don't, but, don't give away your secrets. Well, yeah, I, I think at the end of the day, you'll never know where I am. <laughs> <laughs> but we could be in Japan for all you guys. We know could. Right now. We could. Um, but at the end of the day, it's just my social media isn't for you to get to know me. You know. My social media is for you to get to know the idea of me that I want you to see. And for me personally, as someone who uses social media for work, you know, I want myself to appear more professional and creative and X, Y, Z. So when I post these things, you don't really get to judge me as a person, but based on what I show you. And when we look at these things, we create such a, such a deep judgment for these people. And I don't find it fair, you know? I would love to, to sit down with a person and, and who, who's looked at my social media and has created a judgment on me from not having a real conversation with me, but from just looking at my social media and see what their opinions of me are, what their values, what they think my values are, and at the same time, get to know them, you know? Yeah. I think social media is just this big toxic mask, and I, I'm guilty of deleting my social media every few weeks because I just look at it and think it's stupid. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, you don't know someone through what they post, you know? You don't know someone through what they show, they believe they want to show the world. And I think that's a big misconception that we have in, in social media. And, and it's not even just social media anymore, it's media. It's how we consume our news, it's how we consume our information. Mm -hmm. It's you know, people create opinions based on, and then and not even, not even just on personal values, but clickbait headlines, you know? Yeah. People, people don't want to sit there and think. They want quick, here's my, here's my opinion that I'm going to form in a matter of five seconds, boom, done. Mm -hmm. And that's all it takes. Yeah. So, I mean... In regards to my social media, I like to think that I don't let anybody get an idea of who I am. You're very mysterious. I like to think so. Because another thing, too, about me is just like, well, again, although I'm an egoist or whatever the fuck you want to call it, um, I like to think that I don't really let many people into like the inner workings of me. And it's not me trying to be mysterious. That's just like what I, I just don't like to do it. No, I and don't. I, sorry. No, it's like I just don't like to have people know what goes on in my head. I don't right. like to let people. Like, I feel like people who I barely know or only know on the internet and find myself to be less than an acquaintance with, I feel like I. It's not fair to me for them to know who I am just based on. on I don't know. I'm a, I'm a type of person where if you really want to get to know me, have, sit down and have a conversation with me. Reach out to me. Talk to me. Mm. You know? I feel like trying to get to know someone through their social media is a pointless concept. Um, because you'll never gauge the kind of person I am through my social media. And you as well, you know? Mm. I think at um, the end of the day, humans in general are mysterious species you know well there's but, there, there are plenty of people that advertise exactly who they are on social media they do um i think more often than not you know right but then i don't know i think i think 
for anyone. You know, I think it's so quick. We are so quick as people to form an opinion on someone. But is it our place? You know, and, and it's human nature for us to judge and for us to condition that out of us is hard because it's it's for centuries. It's what we know as people, you know, judging celebrities, judging people we see on the Internet in the past years. And it's what we are conditioned to do in the age of social media. And it's not our place, but it's what we know. And I think good evidence of this is, um, and this even sadly was going on well before the age of social media, but I remember that Paris Hilton documentary came out mm-hmm. and people were just like, I didn't know any of this about her. And it's like, exactly. And that's what social media is. You know, social media is not a place where you get to know people based off of what they post you get to know them by talking to them right and it's it's almost like if you just looked at her social media alone what did she want you to know about her she just wanted you to know that she had a fabulous fucking life right so i just social media is weird i um you know i've had people that i've never met um threaten me on social media i've had people i never met um try to give me information about like one of my friends or something on social media and it's just it's one of those things where it's like I genuinely don't care to hear your opinion I don't care to hear what you have to say I just want to be left alone Mm -hmm. I don't like I want to exist on my social media as I am don't try to turn this into like a a stage for drama don't try to turn this into a platform where you can confront people without even having to look them in the face but that's what I feel like a lot of it is and it's happened more often than not, unfortunately. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's just, it's one of those things where privacy is not even, privacy is not even respected on social media. Because all you have to do is post one thing and, who, you know, whoever wants to see it can see it. And people don't respect that. The fact that, like, certain things are meant to be private, you know. Mm-hmm. So I just I just think it's weird. My mom swears that social media is going to be the downfall of our society. And I, agree. I think so. Yeah, absolutely. Because, because I mean, like, you know, for friendships, relationships, uh, um, jobs, like nothing is private. Nothing is ever, you know, like you find it out by having a conversation with somebody. You find it out simply by just what they post. And I think that's also going to be a tough issue for our generation, at least. Uh, going forward and trying to communicate with people, you know, because we're going to be we're going to be so used to communicating with people through social media, and when it comes time to actually have like an actual conversation, no one's going to know how to do it, and it's just going to fail miserably. Yeah, you know, and I, I the age of social media is a weird one in the sense that we just create so many opinions on things you know it's like people people I would say 10 years ago would read magazines and and stuff like that but now it's it's so easy and that was just with with celebrities and and modern events and things like that but now you can look at someone's social media scrolling randomly and create an opinion off of them create an opinion based off of what you see um not even just people not even not even personal social medias events things that happen in the media. We talked about last time how media can be so biased and how there's really, it's really hard to find good resources out there nowadays. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's it's interesting to see how it all plays out, you know? Seeing how 
social media ultimately will be the downfall of everything because we create all of our opinions there, even though if they're even though they're not always fair opinions. You know, they're not always our place to create opinions. Right. And another thing too about social media is that everyone is entitled to to an opinion. You know. Right. Not only are they entitled to to their opinion, they're entitled to voice it somehow. Right. Because they're given the platform to voice it. <laughs> and they they feel the they as human beings a lot of the times people feel the need that everyone wants to hear their opinion. It's just it's just one of those things that I feel like social media as old as it is, it's so honestly god, it's so fresh. You know, it's so People are still figuring it out. People are still figuring out the the latent functions of social media. I wouldn't I wouldn't say that it's fresh, but I would say that it's constantly evolving. Yeah. You know, just yeah. the way that we intake our social media, the way that we consume social media. It's always evolving because there's always new things coming out. Like now there's there's new, you know, every before this people just knew news stations instagram twitter facebook youtube now they're coming out with all these different social media platforms that take over and then we see the tiktoks of the world where not only has it become a main source of entertainment it's become one of the greatest sources of income for minors you know it it, it all comes down to the way you take advantage of social media and i think even even um you know, people make so much money when it comes down to sponsorships, blah, 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 X, Y, Z, TikTok. Um, when it comes down to it, we don't know these people that we see on social media. We don't know the truth behind these stories we see on social media unless we dig and do our own research. But I think that's one of the things is social media is that social media is biased. Of course. And that's another thing, too. I guess you can really contrast that between um, a personal um, social media and like a professional social media so like in the same way that an individual kind of mask who they are uh, you know like businesses and news outlets can mask the information that they want you to see you know right so I think that that's a really weird paradigm and I think that that's one that social media is not only promoting and encouraging but also it's, it's really playing a very heavy hand in it it's got a very heavy thumb on the scale for it because it allows it to happen it allows news sources to post especially on twitter you know they're they're given 240 characters for a tweet to say whatever they want all they have to do is just post a, a a really um outraging headline and getting people to retweet it and all they have to do is just attach the article into the link, and then that's it. Nine times out of ten these days, too, the article will have nothing to do with the headline. Exactly. It'll be this construed, vague, taken-out-of-context statement. chunk of information that's really right, taken out of right, context. Right, 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 right. And how many times are people going to read it, you know? I, um, I have a friend at school who lives at home. She lives at Lake Hopakong. Um... And I read something once that there was this 12-foot snake in, in Lake Hopakong. And all I saw was, and I'm, I'm guilty of it, you know, we all are. Um, my freshman year of college, I saw this, this article on Twitter, or no, it was on Facebook, that there was this 12-foot snake or something in the lake. And I, just, I didn't click on the article, I just sent it to her. And 
she responded and said, A, this is fake. B, this happened like six years ago. And then I clicked on the article and it said it happened six years ago and that the, the information was ultimately false. <laughs> and that's my ignorance as a human being, you know, to, to realize that I just spread false information without looking into it. And that's that's where, you know, it happens to everyone. But you uh, you start to realize how frequent it is and you don't even realize that you're doing it half the time you know it's there's no malicious intent behind it or at oh, least no, of course not at least for for the day-to-day people i think i think news outlets there there's a little bit of malicious intent behind it because they're just trying to get reactions and clicks and views and etc mm-hmm. um but nine times out of ten we, we don't even realize we're doing this and i think that's where social media has become so toxic because we're just so prone to spreading biased, sometimes false information and then making our own views out of them that it's not our place, you know? Yeah. I mean, I'm not interested to see what's going to happen because I'm kind of terrified of what's going to happen with social media. You know? Uh, Social media is going to be one of those things that ultimately just, like, destroys everybody's privacy. No one's safe if you think about it. Do you remember it. when when Nickelodeon had those days where they wouldn't run any cartoons? They would just yeah. it would just be a screen all day, and it would make you just go out. You'd have to go outside, or you'd have to do something else. I wish think, social, yeah. I wish social media had that. I do too. But then again, at the end of the day, social media doesn't care about the well being of humans. It cares about income and revenue streams, and it 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 sucks. But it feeds off of these judgments. You know, that's how social media thrives. So do I see that ever happening? Probably not, unless something drastic happens. But it would be nice. Yeah, none of these social media uh, giants are ever going to concede that people should not be using their platform as much as they are. Think about it. Social media is kind of like a drug. It's very addictive. It is. You You, you ever look at... um... The time you spend on your phone per day, or you get those notifications. And where... it'll tell you what apps you use the most, and it'll yeah. tell you how many hours you spend and then, on it. And then you freak out for a couple of hours, and then you go right back to the cycle. Yeah. And it's it's just a habit that people need to break. And I think it's one of those things that I don't think most people are ever going to get away from it, because people rely on it so much. And really, social media, if you think about it, it's becoming a source of uh, networking for people in their careers. It's become a source of... Um, communicating with people that like you know they ultimately make friends with online mm-hmm. so I think it's um I don't know I've said it before you know I miss the days like I, w- I really wish I was born I'm not one of those people who said oh I was born in the wrong generation I just wish that I was born in a generation that didn't have social media you know right because and I, I think when we were children we got a good taste of what it was like before life before social media yeah and that I, I think we got a good balance of, I think if we were born a year later, we wouldn't have that same balance of life. Oh, we'd be screwed. Before social media. Um, it's so weird to think that there are kids that don't know a life without social media these days, you know? And that's that's terrifying. And electronics are a very innovative and, and good thing for our economy. But at the same time, are they good for us mentally? You know, that's most likely not. Are they good for us socially? You know, most likely not. You know, I think people are so comfortable with saying things online and making these judgments online, but then when it comes down to it in person, they would never say half the stuff that they said. Absolutely. I just social media makes it too easy to be a moron, right? (laughs) To say the least, or at least voice your moronic opinions. Yeah, exactly. Uh, 
and kind of straight away from, a bit from the thing of privacy, but I mean, it technically did work its way in. But, you know, privacy itself is a virtue. Privacy itself is something that should be valued in the sense that, you know, as long as what you're doing isn't morally objectionable or harming anybody, you should be free to to use your autonomy to just say, like, this is what I want to do with my life and mm-hmm. I'm going to exercise that. And a lot of people, because of social media, make it their business to try to dictate what one does. Like, who, who is it themselves, you know? Like, they'll often voice their opinion on something that someone else is doing and they think that it's valid in some way, shape, or form. And it's a shame because oftentimes people listen to it and people will buy into it because, I mean, I'm sure that they view... Um, you know, someone that they barely know's opinion as much as they value someone that they personally know on a very deep level. And I think people, their biased opinions come from what they hope, you know? Mm-hmm. If, if you see someone you don't like on social media, you, you hope that, you know, you hope that they're not a good person. You you judge everything so critically on, on what they're posting and, and you look at it with this this really, really critical eye. And first of all, it's not fair to you. It's it, well, it's not fair to the person, but that's not fair to you either. Because it, how is that benefiting you? You know, how is that benefiting anyone? Right. And it, it goes down to that competition aspect where where is it your place to be judging so others on based solely on their social media? You know. Mm. Right. All right. So moving on, <laughs> um, we um. We kind of touched on it a little bit uh, throughout the last two segments, I want to say. Maybe even the first one, too. Um, but this is a really odd question to ask in today's world. Excuse me while I pull my mind. This is a really odd question to ask in today's world because oftentimes people think that if you get along with somebody and you can talk to them, that constitutes a friendship. But, again... If we take things like that at face value, and if you think about it, you know, being able to get along with someone and have a conversation with them, if we just deem all those as friendships, then friendship kind of loses its meaning. So, we've both had experiences where what we thought was friendship truly wasn't. Mm-hmm. And it, those kinds of things can last for years, simply because you get along with them and you can talk to them and hang out with them and this, that, whatever. So, what do you think, objectively, constitutes a friendship? Something that's mutually beneficial, you know? Something that's not just... Oh, so you're more of a utilitarian with your friendships. Not always, but I think that people that are are loyal, people that won't leave your side, you know? I can have a conversation with anyone. I love talking. I never shut up. But at the the end of the day, when... um, I'm loyal to someone, I need to know that they're loyal to me as well. You know, I've, I've, and it's, it's at the end of the day where regardless of what happens, we only, we always find our way back to each other. You know, one of my, my best friends since I was in kindergarten and when we were about 16, seven, yeah, 16 or 17, you know, we, we got in a big fight, didn't talk for four or five years. I just reached out to her a few weeks ago and we're friends again. You know, it's, it's that knowing that someone is is 
you just have a feeling, you know? I think it's I think it's our intuition as humans knowing who's our who our real friends are. And and I think there's always that incline in the back of our head when someone's not right to be our friend or someone's not as loyal as we think they are. Um but at the end of the day, it's someone who's who's loyal to you. It's mm. someone who will be there for you. I mean, in the right circumstances, if, if you're if you're definitely in the wrong, they can call you out on your shit, you know. But when you're when they know you're in the right, backing you up on that, you know. I've got I my group of friends, I love so much, you know. I and I'm not afraid to say that because they would say the same thing about me. It's knowing that I could back them up through anything, and they would do the same for me. It's knowing that. I'm loyal to my friends. It's knowing that the connection that I have with my friends is unbreakable because regardless of my decisions in life, they're there for me. They might not always agree with what I do or what I say. Um, and as long as what I'm doing isn't hurting anyone or anything, and they can, they can if, if I'm doing something stupid, they can call me out on that. I appreciate it so much when someone says, you know what, you're wrong. And you need to step back a bit and look at it and realize what you're doing. And I think that's what a friend is, is someone who's not afraid to help you grow as a person. Someone who's not afraid to challenge you, you know, who helps you become better. You know, someone who's loyal to you. I just, I think I'm so grateful for my friends because it's not all sunshine and roses and daisies with them. You know, they'll call me out on my shit if I'm wrong. Mm. And I don't get angry because they're doing it for my better judgment. They're doing it because they care about me and they want to see me be a good person. That's what I constitute as friends. Okay. I mean, like I said, you know, we, we've both had situations. I've had a number of them in the past months. And, um, you, you know, like, one thing that I've learned is that real friends will stick it out with you through pretty much everything. You know, like... I'm not afraid to admit that I had an alcoholism problem for about two months uh, where I was literally getting drunk every single day and like not just drunk, but like, you know, like shit face drunk. And that was because of the depressive episode that I was going through. And, you know, one of my, I considered him my best friend for years. You know, he pretty much bailed on me through that, not because of that, but for other circumstances and the person that was there for me was is my now best friend and you know that's ryan and you know ryan challenged me to get sober he was there for me when i needed him you know at the drop of a hat you know like he, he would he would be there you know if i texted him and said like listen like i need to talk to somebody or i need to you know like i just need to like talk sober with someone you know he'd always be there you know without a hesitation and I think that that's what makes a real friendship. And the the sad thing is, though, is that sometimes, even though like, that's really not 100% enough, and I think that friends that pass judgment on another, on their friends, in the sense that they're not passing that judgment to help them, but they're passing that judgment to criticize them or to, to be the self-righteous person, those are the people you need to avoid. Right. You know, those are the people... Because there are, there are plenty of people who, who do that. There are plenty of people that... And as egotistic as, or whatever, as narcissistic as I am, you know, like, I might say that, yeah, I'm better than everybody, but 
in that same vein, I'm not going to judge someone's life decisions based on the fact, just for the pure sake of judging them, but more so for the fact that, like, I want better for my friends, wherein there are people who claim to be my friends that ultimately pretty much gave me a huge middle finger. And really just not only like defamed my character but just completely mischaracterized me they they would lie about me they would say all this shit and it's a shame too because you know i mean i've said it before i'll say it again friends are like socks you lose some every you lose some more often than not you just go out and get more because that's really all you can do and i think i think with some people i don't think that friends are irreplaceable yeah um i think with some people they're your friend until it's inconvenient for them and and when it's inconvenient they run away from it but that's not a true friend that's a temporary friend and i think that's how we in life define who our true friends are right you know my friend brianna i met her she was my neighbor freshman year of college and she's probably the closest friend i have today i text her every second of every day (laughs) um (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> um, she's not afraid to call me out on my shit, and she does it because she wants better for me. You know, she challenges me to be a better person, and not only that, you know, I've had some of the best times with her. You know, she's she's seen me at my best and at my worst. Um, and she's always, regardless of what she's seen me at, she challenges me to be better. You know, she challenges me to do better. She challenges me to um, be a good person, you know, and it's not it's not just that, you know, it's 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 the connection we have when we're together. Um, And I think I think it's so rare for people to find that that soul connection you have with a friend. But once you find it, you just know, you know, you know who they're going to be your friend for potentially life. Well, yes, yes and no. Because a lot of people do snake shit. <laughs> and it, 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 I would say there's no worse feeling than when someone you thought you could trust really just kind of fucks you over, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. At, at the end of the day, it, it's one of the worst feelings in the world. Um, but... It's always a learning lesson, you know? It's it's a learning lesson for many reasons, you know? It, it, at the end of the day, it helps you grow as a person. But I always think there's that slight intuition where, where you know who would and wouldn't do that. In a sense, yes. However, I've been proven wrong on that several times, which is very sad to say um but then then again i can say that oftentimes like you know sometimes you're just blind to someone's disloyalty you're kind of just like like oh no they they wouldn't do that they wouldn't like fucking uh in my case at least they wouldn't like lie on me you know they wouldn't uh try to start drama or beef for some reason i think people show who they are from day one I think they do. I think it's our perceptions in their head of how we how we decide if we trust them or not. 
you know, sometimes we hold these people on a pedestal when they're very clearly showing to us who they are. And we don't want to see it, you know? Yeah. For me, I mean, I like to think that I have, like, a really good tell of, like, you know, like, who gives me good vibes and who gives me bad vibes. And 99% of the time, I'm 100% correct. Because there have been plenty of times that my friends have tried to introduce some new person into the friend group. And I just tell every single one of them, like, I got bad vibes from them. I do not, <laughs> I do not want to associate with them. And they'll, they'll tell me that I'm being crazy or whatever, whatever. And then, like, a couple months later, some shit happens. And they're like, oh, shit, Chim was right. <laughs> and, like I said, nine times out of, out of ten that happens but like most people I have horrible judgment with my own life I will say you know I have horrible judgment with like who I trust and you know like who um I let in in a sense because I'm a very trusting person you know for the most part like if I feel that I can trust someone like I will literally tell them everything and sometimes a lot of the times it's hurt me in the long run and that's really giving me a disadvantage so that's probably why I really have limited myself to who I even open up to you know yeah you zoned out for a second yeah <laughs> <laughs> yes I mean I don't know like I honestly the, what constitutes a friendship for me like I said it's just like I don't even want to view it as like a utilitarian thing where it's like well like you know like benefits and this not friends with benefits but but like just like you know like are they benefiting your life you know are they making your life better i view it more so as just like who genuinely has your best interest at heart who um genuinely wants the absolute best for you and who's willing to stick it out with you to the end and i've met arguably one person who's willing to do that for me and that person's Ryan you know like I know for a fact that if I had to bury a body tonight I could easily call Ryan and he would help me out you know like he would work with me for legal reasons we are not burying a body tonight correct we're not that's literally I would like I would like to repeat we are not burying a body tonight for exactly this is literally just a phrase it's a figure of speech a figure of speech hey did we say that it's a figure of speech? Because if not, I would like to reiterate that it is a figure of speech. Exactly. There, there's no body to be had. Um, but no, like, I just know for a fact that Ryan is the type that would drop everything for me if I really needed him, you know? And I've met very few people that are like that. Even the person I thought who was my best friend for years. He, like, looking back on it, he would never do any of that for me. And it's really a shame that I thought that he was the kind of person that would. And then it turns out he's not even the type of person to help me in literally, like, the, the darkest months of my life, you know? And it's... I think in your darkest moments is when you find out who your true friends are, you know? Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't necessarily think it's, like... Because some people will say, like, oh, it's, like, your best times that you find out who your friends are. Like, no, like, in your darkest times... In your worst times. At your worst is who, when the true colors come out. And Ryan was a person who was there, you know, to, to lift me out of it. He was there to, you know, he literally told me, he was like, if I even see you touch a drop of alcohol within the next month, I'm going to punch you in the face. Yeah. And that's what I loved about him. And that's what I still love about him. Um, 
and not to be all gushy about Ryan, but I just remember like we went. I remember one night we went to Applebee's, and he was like, "Listen, man, like, you know, like I trust you to like order a drink and be cool. Like I trust you to, you know, like not go home and drink more. And I trust that you're gonna, you know, you're gonna be cool with it because like I'm here." And, like, I'm here to tell you when you're, you know, fucking up. And the same thing when we went to a Halloween party. He was, like, you know, he was, like, if I see you getting fucked up, like, I'm going to fucking call you out. And I'm going to fucking punch you in the face. Right. And that's what I love about Ryan. Ryan, it's not the only reason I love Ryan. I love Ryan for so many reasons. And he, he truly is one of the best people that I've ever met in my life. He is the best person that I could go to in any given situation. And that's not even how I view him. I don't view him as someone to rely on when I'm in need. I view him as someone that not only can I go to him in anything, but like I can just go to him for with whatever. Like, you know, we just want to hang out. That's awesome, you know? And I hope he knows that I would do the exact same for him. If he had a problem, if he had to bury a body tonight for legal reasons, he does not. Um... <laughs> He knows that he could call me and I'll help him. And it's just, he's one of those people who's like few and far in between. And, you know, I just, to be honest, I just never saw him and I becoming best friends. And it was weird because I think I, I say that simply because of who I thought was my best friend at the time. You know, it's one of those things where you don't anticipate it. Right. And then some shit happens and true colors get revealed that you're just like, wait a minute, like that's not that's not at all who I thought I was, you know, best friends with this whole time. So I would say that like literally the darkest months of my life, Ryan proved to be the person that I just recognized and was like, this is like the person that I want to be really good friends with. This is the person that I would consider my best friend. And those are the type of people you need in your life, you know? I think like I said, it's it's so hard to find that that I'm cheesy. I think they're soul connections. <laughs> Real quick. You filled that glass up so fucking high. <laughs> it's my podcast fuel. Okay. It's for work. I'm sure. Anyways. <laughs> I think I'm cheesy. I think I'm one of those people that think everything happens for a reason. I think the universe is always giving us signs, whether it be in synchronous numbers or whatever it may be. Um... You know, I, I see lots of synchronous numbers, especially when I'm with you. Mm. And I think that's a sign that I'm in a good place. You know, I, I think that's a sign where wherever I'm in at that moment, I'm, I'm meant to be there. And I, I think the universe is constantly giving us signs and, and introducing to people in our lives that either they're a learning lesson or it's a soul connection, you know? Um, and people take soul connections and they consider them mostly for relationships, but I would I would disagree. You know, I think soul connections do happen in relationships, but when they happen in friendships, it's such a deeper meaning to it, you know? And I think it's so rare. Your your version of Ryan or my version of Brianna. Um, it's such a rare thing, you know? And it's something that we don't... People, people don't really take it for what it is, and it's something that you need to cherish, you know? And I'm, it, it's so rare to find something like that or a friend like that. And when you do, it, it's 
probably one of the coolest feelings in the world, you know? Sometimes I'll look at Brie and I'll think, dude, this is my friend. Like, this is my friend for life. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just so in awe that this, this human being and I share this connection of being friends and just being there for each other, you know, con- consistently calling each other out when we're being stupid or, or challenging each other to grow, mm. you know? And I think that is one of the coolest things in the world because I know I always have someone to go back to and and share my success with, you know? I yeah. your your version of Ryan is is my Brianna and, and vice versa. Um, but finding those connections is so incredibly rare. And it's one of those things where you sometimes you just think about it and you're so thankful, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, and again, like Brian, if if you if you're listening to this and you have a guy that message you, I fucking love you, dude. I fucking love you. Um, and it's rare that I say that about anybody. So you know what? Take that for granted, <laughs> or don't take it for granted. I should say. Um, but yeah, and it's just it's one of those things too, where friends don't pick other friends over other friends you know they don't they only give priority to one over the other they kind of like make it balance out in some sense or they acknowledge like you know like you know like you can help both at at the same time and I don't know like friendships to me I've had very few in my life because again that's how shitty of a fucking childhood I had you know had no friends in school and that was a shame but you know what at the same time I'm grateful that I didn't I think it's more common than we think though for people to feel outcast you know we we look at who's deemed popular and who has all the friends but we never really look at who's kind of the quote unquote outcast of it all and I personally think being the outcast is one of the coolest things because oh, easily. you're so unique that you don't you? All these people, all these people relate to each other in some sort of level, but you're so unique that you, you would, don't. You attract more attention as an outcast than you do as someone who's popular because people who are popular, no one really cares to be around you. Someone who's an outcast, you're like, I want to know what that kid's like. Right, and that, that's that's how I feel. You know, I want to know what goes on. You know, I want to know past the like, people, especially in high school or middle school. People agree on the superficial things when they're popular. I think popularity is a stupid construct. I wouldn't call it a construct. I would just call it a phenomenon. <laughs> but... It kind of just happens, you know? Yeah, but I think it happens based on the constructs of, of social settings, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, what people expect us to act, look, and talk like. And when someone doesn't fit that mold, they're deemed an outcast. They're deemed weird. But I want to know more about the weirdos, you know? <laughs> I don't want to know... I feel like when someone's popular, it's because they fit this certain mold. When someone's an outcast, it's because they don't. And I want to know why. I want to know what makes you tick, you know? Yeah. And I don't know. Like, I met Ryan playing baseball. And like I said, like, him and I never really got close until after we both graduated high school. And we kind of, like, became friends through a mutual, like, good friends through a mutual friend and of course that mutual friend kind of just dropped off the face of the earth for both of us but at the end of the day it's just like am I taking it to the same extent that you are saying that Ryan is a soul connection for me I'm not 100% sure I'd go no, that Bree, Bree's my soulmate my friend's soulmate 
don't know. Ryan and I just, you know, we're just, we're real for each other, if that makes sense. Instead of right for each other, we're real for each other. Mm. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. Friendship is um, it's a unique thing. It's something to always cherish and to never take for granted. And it's something that you need to be very selective as to who earns the title of your friends. Right. I think it's good to have people you know and people that you're in contact with. I mean, for it depends on what your life is like. I'm I'm a person who doesn't shut up. I love talking. I'll talk to anyone. (laughs) Um, If you entertain me with a subject, I'll go on for hours. However... It takes a lot to get to know me on a deeper level and mm-hmm. in a more um, emotional connection. Right. You know, I'll talk about superficial shit for hours, but if you want to know what makes me work as a person, that's a rare thing. I would say the same. Um, like I said, I already don't let people into my personal life as it is. And the fact that, like, I was able to, I literally, I remember the night that. I kind of came to terms with the fact that I had alcoholism. Um, Ryan was like the first person that I... Actually, that's not true. The other one was the first person that I texted. And he kind of, you know, really wasn't there. Ryan Mm -hmm. was there. And I texted him. And he was not only there for me, but he, you know... He was like, dude, like, come talk to my dad. Like, my dad knows exactly what the fuck you're going through. Like, he gets it. He just wants to have the conversation, talk about it. And he's like, like... He was also just saying, like, you know, like, you know, we're going to get through it, like, together, dude. Because, like, I'm going to make sure that you're good. I'm going to make sure that, you know, like, you're okay. And that was more than I could have asked for. But, it like, that's not true. What he said was what I wanted and needed to hear. And I think that's what makes a true friend, is they know what you want to hear, what you need to hear. And sometimes they're not always the same things what you want versus what you need to hear yeah but it sounds like in that moment what you wanted to hear was the same thing as what you needed to hear and that's what he could give you exactly and not only did he give me what i needed to hear he also gave me what i needed to do because he was the one who kept me in check like you know he would be like you still haven't drank right and i'm like no Right, and those are the friends that challenge you to be a better person exactly and, and those are the people that you need in your life exactly and those are the friends that you, that you should cherish the most. The people that, well, Ryan saw me at my worst twice. You know, like he saw me go through the the shit that I was going through a couple of years ago, and then he saw what I was going through um, a couple of months ago, and like he was just there for me through it all. And again, like that's the realest person that I could ever have met or have come into my life. I'm so fucking grateful for that. You know. Just grateful for the fact that he's in my life as my best friend. Yeah. You know? So, alright. You know what? Enough gushy shit. Yeah, we're... Enough gushy (laughs) shit. We're getting way too emotional on this philosophy podcast. And Chin's drinking wine. Chin's gonna start crying soon about how much he loves Ryan. He's probably gonna call Ryan crying, tell him how much he fucking loves him. I'm already texting Bree. Are you? I am. What are you saying? <laughs> We're getting all gushy. Aww. Yeah, so you know, this is a feel good podcast episode. Yeah, this, this is, is a self help. Exactly. Shit, Infinity Zen is listed as self improvement. This is the ultimate self improvement episode. Talk about your feelings. You're worth it. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, well, so, so the final segment for this episode is um, 
this is I really want to explore yours and I's experience with with this because I would argue that it's like an annual thing for me it's like it's guaranteed to happen that I pretty much reinvent myself you know it's one of those things where it's like it just it wouldn't be a year if Chin didn't do something different with himself you know if Chin didn't try to change himself in some way for the better of course do you have identity crisis i might okay i would argue it's possible i'd go through changes in my person not personality but like in uh, i would go i would say i go through changes in how i present myself and what my mentality is and that could be argued as a personality crisis but you know who knows so the question prompted is, what is the best way to work on yourself? Hmm. I'll ask you first. How do you, you do gotta, it? How do you do it? You gotta question. know what makes you tick. So I, I love my me time. You know, I, I spend nights and nights and nights on end with you or with my friends. And don't get me wrong, I love it. I don't know who I am. And you don't know who you are until you cherish those moments when you're completely alone. Mm -hmm. And that's when you find out who you are. And at the end of the day, no one really deserves to know who you are when you're completely alone. Going back to privacy, that's who you are. When you're completely... I mean, I mean, don't get me wrong. There, there's who you are to other people and who you are with, with others and blah, blah, blah. But when you're completely alone... And you just have that time. That's my favorite time. <laughs> I love being alone. I love... I just... I love having time to myself to just be with my thoughts, if they're good. Mm-hmm. Um, just be with my thoughts and, and do whatever I want to do, you know? Um, and that's how you find out who you are. And that's how you work on yourself. You find out what you like, you find out what you dislike, and you go down, go down those avenues. I think being alone is one of the absolute coolest things in the world. And maybe I'm one of the seldom people that feel that way. It's good in, in um, moderation. Yeah. You don't want to be alone for too long. <laughs> but don't get me wrong, I have three roommates, and I love them dearly. But... I lock my door at night because they don't understand the rules of privacy. And if I fall asleep, I will wake up with one of them sleeping next to me. (laughs) You know what I mean? Um, (laughs) um, Sorry, I just dropped my phone again. (laughs) It it wouldn't be an episode if I didn't drop my phone at some point. And several other objects. Um, True. But I just think you need to cherish that time you have alone. I think, like I said, I think being, you know, in moderation, you know, I I love hanging out with you and I love hanging out with my friends and I love being with my family, but those, those very, very, very few moments when you're just completely alone doing what makes you happy, whether that be watching Netflix, whether that be reading, whether that be TED Talks. I love watching TED Talks. I watch a TED Talk every single day. Um... You find out who you really are. And then from then, you determine what makes you a better person. You determine what makes you a worse person. You determine what gets you up every morning. You know, I think, I think being alone is one of the coolest things. Because that's when you really get to define who you are as a person. You know? 
I think when I'm alone and I'm just sitting there, I'm a thinker. I love thinking. My head is always in the clouds. (laughs) I'm such a daydreamer. And I think the things that you daydream about kind of shape your subconscious, you know? I think that when you look and, and talk about these things, you have to know who you are before you can know how to work on yourself. Whether that be your coping mechanisms, X, Y, Z. I think that knowing who you are as a person before anything else is so important because you know what makes you tick, you mm-hmm. know? I cherish the moments when I'm alone. Not that, not that I don't enjoy hanging out with people, not that I don't enjoy being with people, but I cherish the moments when I'm alone so much because there's so seldom of them. <laughs> there's so many times where I'm in class with others, when I'm in a work call with others, when I'm hanging out with others. I don't have that much time to myself, mm-hmm. you know? And, and other, people's, other people too. Other people have loads and loads of time to themselves. And I think those are the moments where you find out who you really are, you know? When it's just you and you and you, <laughs> you know? You and your thoughts, you and your brain, you get to really find out what makes you tick as a person, what helps you, what doesn't help you. I think that's what helps me, is, is, to, is defining, you know, who am I when I'm alone? What do I need to hear when I'm alone? What do I need to hear when I'm not alone? You know, I, I think it's, it's those moments that I help myself by setting boundaries, you know? It's, it's such a balance for me. It's so seldom that we um, really, truly ever get to be alone. It's, it's often that we feel lonely. You know, humans feel lonely all the time. But just being alone and being happy is such a rare feeling and I cherish it so much. Um, it's where I find who I truly am. And it's where I find what my coping mechanisms are. How I fuel my day. How I do, do my life. How I, how I decide how I want to be better. You know? It's just that for me. Yeah. So, for me, I don't know. I'm not sure if I would consider me going through certain changes as necessarily working on myself. I think it's more so becoming who I know I should be. Um, honestly, working on myself is a very odd process for me. Usually it starts with a haircut. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I change my hair all the time. You've known me for a while but you've known me on a deeper sense for a few months now yeah and I every time I feel like I want to change something or every time I feel like something's out of my control I'll start with my hair because my hair is something in my hair is something that's in my control you know um so every time life feels just so out of my control where I can't reach it I'll change my hair because mm-hmm. my hair is in my control it's hair it'll grow back you right. know um but that's how I gain control of my life I'll change my hair. I'll change my clothes. I'll change this. I'll change that. Um, And people always deem that as a manic episode, which I don't think is fair, you know? Mm. I think there's so many uncontrollable things that happen in life, and you get to control how you react to them. And sometimes how the things that you can control are very seldom. Right. So, 
Yeah, I mean, for me, the I think the best way that I work on myself usually is I come up with a vision of who I want to become, what mindset I want to have, what things I want to accomplish in a, in a given span of time. Granted, my goals in life have been consistent. You know, I still obviously want to go to law school, become a lawyer. So, you know, like want to do what I want to do with my career. However, for now, it's more so like, how do I want to, how do I want my image to be? How do I want people to perceive me? Mm-hmm. And that's usually where working on myself comes into play. And that's, like I said, I'll start with a haircut. You know, obviously the haircut I have now is very drastic from what it was a week ago. Right. It's very long, very wavy. Now it's uh, faded and, you know, very short. Very windblown. You look like Fabio. <laughs> Just kidding. Fabio has long hair. Very long hair, yes. Very long hair. Never mind. You don't like Fabio. You look like, um... You look like a Calvin Klein model. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Um, And it's weird because I I do a lot of things subconsciously to the point where if I really psychoanalyze why I do certain things, it really makes sense, you know? And working on myself is a really weird process, like I said, you know, for me. Because... I do. I make little changes, and those little changes eventually evolve into big changes. And personally, I'm excited to see like where this, you know, like new evolution of my character goes. Um, and it's funny because I always think like this is the one that's going to stay, but usually it's not. Though personally, I I like the hair. I like to. I like where it's at right now. I plan on keeping it like this. But who knows? In seven eight months, that could easily change. Who knows? But, I think that's one of the coolest things of life, though. So you never know. Right. It's all very unpredictable. But, um, you know, like, I, I think one of the best ways to really, to really work on yourself, not only for the short term, but for the long term, is ultimately to find your passion, find what you're good at, and work at it. And just, just hammer it in nonstop. Just make sure... That you're doing what you want to do with your life. Make sure that you are living the absolute best life that you possibly can. And I wish I wish more people had that mindset, you know? I think, I tell you this all the time, but I think that people are so okay with being in their comfort zone. And if that's what you want to do, absolutely, by all means, go for it. Mm-hmm. But that's not me. You know, I daydream of being successful. I daydream of, of what I'm going to be in the future. Don't get me wrong. I still live in the present. I still live in the moment. But that's what fuels me. That's what makes me want to be better is who I see myself being in the future. Mm-hmm. Honestly, like, I'm very impatient with the future. I'm very, um, I like to make things happen as I envision them. Because, I mean, you remember two months ago when I wanted to get my hair cut and I was I was just like I can't wait till the 5th of January it was like a week before I was like I can't wait till then I want to do it now you talked about it every day yeah and then of course I was having like I couldn't find anything and then I, I had a couple good hair days and I was like oh, I'm gonna keep the long hair for a little bit longer and then I eventually was just like, you know what? No, I, I need to dedicate myself to this change and I'm going to do it. And I love it. <laughs> yeah. And it's one of those things that's so cool where it's hair. 
Yeah. You know? Hair is a make or break. And it's a little thing, too. Not too many people think about how hair changes, you know, like people's perspective of you. It changes your own perspective of yourself. Right. I think once I started cutting my hair short is when I started taking myself seriously on a professional level. Um, Not that people with long hair aren't professional. It's just when I saw myself for the first time with short hair, I'll paint the scene. I'll paint the picture for you. Go ahead. (laughs) It was two days before I started working in New York City for the first time. And I was like, you know what? I'd always had long, long, long hair. Um, I was like, I'm tired of it. I want to see myself in a new light. And I want it gone. And I walked in one day and I had someone cut all my hair off. And I had probably the shortest hair I'd ever had in my life. And I was a new person, you know, and it's hair. It's hair at the end of the day. But it's it's also how you hair defines It's a part of your identity, if you think Yeah, about absolutely. It. Especially for people like me who always goes with like some like crazy outrageous hairstyle. Yeah. You know? I'm I'm always dyeing my hair different colors and cutting it, trying something new. I think it's it's how we define ourselves and how we define how we're gonna be that day. Mm-hmm. You know? It's, it's, it's the little things that help us with how we see ourselves and how we want to be a better person, blah, blah, blah. It's, it's taking that time to really create yourself, mm-hmm. you know? Honestly, so I would argue that the, I could, I could argue that it's a phase, but for all I know, it could be permanent. Um, I think in a really weird way, the, um, the change I'm going through right now is going to exacerbate, exacerbate my ego, my narcissism. And in a weird way, I hope it's here to stay because I like being of the mindset that I'm a, I am destined for greatness I feel like everyone should feel that way. And it's so sad that we live... Well, haha, we live in a society. It's so sad that we live in a society where not everyone feels that way. I think everyone deserves to feel great. And everyone deserves to feel that they're destined for greatness. Yeah. And it's so insane that such tiny little differences, such as hair, can make you feel that way. Yeah. So, I mean, like I said, usually my change of character tends to start off with a haircut and then it'll go from the music that I listen to because obviously two months ago I was listening just to punk rock music and now I'm listening to mostly The Weeknd and people who rap and sing about like luxury and being better than people and all you know not only that but it's also like the fashion that you know like that I partake in it's the way I present myself it's the filters that I put on pictures that I take you know, things like that that really not necessarily cultivate my character, but more so embody the the person that I want to be. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It embodies, like, I want to be this odd character where it's like there's a certain dark mystery behind it, but as flashy and flagrant as it is it's just like there's still so much unknown and you know you've borne witness to it bared witness to it whatever you want to say i've been listening to the weekend pretty much non-stop 
and as of late, I've become obsessed with the character that he is in in the, the music videos from After Hours. The fact that he kind of goes through this through this self awareness transition from you know being someone who is very self conscious or at least very self-aware of the isolation that he feels into someone who's very braggadocious mm. and very just like, I don't give a shit how alone I am at the end of the day, I'm the shit. Right. And I like to think that I'm trying to embody that mentality. I like to think that although I only have arguably just one friend right now, like, to me, I at the end of the day, I'm just like, I like to present myself as someone who's just like, I can show you what I want you to see of me, but you'll never know the real me, you know? And that's, I feel like that's a character I've always had anyway. But one thing I would say that, or several things I would say is different about me than I was a couple months ago is just my overall mentality. I went from this like punk emo kid to like, you know, what we were talking about earlier, like the dark luxury and the, um, how did you describe it? You said like oh, the intellectual. I love, I love dark academia luxury. Yes, where that's how you described it. It's um tones of of black and crimson and gold. Something something about those color schemes in in luxury to me is just unmatched. Exactly, and that's if you think about it, that's what After Hours was. You know, we yeah. wa- we watched the whole all the music videos in chronological order. Mm-hmm. Um, and those were really the undertones was black, gold, and, and crimson. And it's not necessarily I'm trying to just take on what the, what the weekend was portraying, but it's more so like, that's the mentality that I want to have. You know, like, the mentality of like, you know, I can admit my isolation and loneliness and embrace it and make something of myself from it. As opposed to trying to completely change it and trying to become someone who is very like, um, like I can try all I want to be someone who is well liked in this that. That's not who I am, and I kind of take a nod of pleasure in the fact that I'm mostly disliked. You know, I enjoy that. As you should, because <laughs> you could let it eat you alive, or you could enjoy it. Exactly. And I think you're taking the better the better route. Yeah, so I would say the best way to work on yourself really is to envision who you want to be and not only envision who you want to be personally, but also envision how you want people to perceive you and become that person that kind of has an equilibrium in between the two. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, because, you know, whatever pictures I post on Instagram, whatever I tweet on Twitter, it'll give people a glimpse into who I am as a person, but they will never know who I truly am. And I like to have that mystery behind it. I like to have that undertone of like, well, I see what he posts, but I don't really know him. Mm -hmm. I like that. I like that people don't get to know me. I like that people won't really ever understand. (laughs) Not to sound like, you know, teenage angst and shit, 
but like, I don't I like it when people don't like learn anything like I don't understand him mm, how, like, how, how 2013 tumblr of you oh shut up <laughs> I wasn't on tumblr until 2015 okay oh, I missed that I'm wave I'm sorry so sorry but I mean you know like ultimately that's just it's good to work on yourself constantly it's good to constantly want to evolve kind of like a weird like a weird pokemon where it's just like oh like they're evolving i love pokemon <laughs> and i just think it's cool you know like the fact that you have every avenue to change your perception of yourself and then people's perception of you and you can do it by just minute things the world's at your fingertips of course it is and you the, good the only thing that's holding you back from being who you want to be and how the world sees you is you mm-hmm. you know at the end of the day right and I just think that it's really cool that, um, you know, like we're, we're, as individuals, we're given the opportunity to completely re- reinvent ourselves. And a lot of people kind of stay stuck in who they are most comfortable with. And that's, there's nothing wrong with that, per se, because if that's who you really are, then fine. Right. But as someone who I know what I want to do, I don't necessarily know who I am yet, if that makes sense. And that's completely fine. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't know. I don't know how to put this. I I know what I'm worth. I know what I'm capable of. But I don't necessarily know the totality of my true character, if that makes sense. And I think that's the one of the coolest part of life, is figuring that out, you know? Mm-hmm. I think coming to that realization or, or close to that realization is such a cool feeling. This is who I am today. This is who I want to be tomorrow. You know? Mm-hmm. That's one of the coolest things is just finding yourself. Exactly. So, I mean, again, not to invoke Jordan Peterson, but, you know, he always says, I think it's one of the rules in his book, 12 Rules for Life. It's a great book, by the way. It's um, compare yourself to who you were yesterday, not to who someone else is today. And that's where I like to invoke the whole constantly evolve, constantly do things that are going to better yourself and possibly change people's perspective of you. So for me, it's a matter of like, I don't want people to think of me as that punk rock kid anymore. I don't want people to think of me as the the kid that, like, is 21, still trying to pull off, like, shit that he should have been doing when he was 16, you know? Uh, I mean, it's up to you to... Right, but I want people to to realize the the extent to which I evolved and matured. Right, and at the end of the day, not to interrupt you, I'm sorry. You're fine. At the end of the day, the only person... Who can really prove those things is you. Exactly. And that's what I think is really cool about, like, the f- and I, again, on my personal Twitter, I tweeted out, like, like, a week ago or two weeks ago, whatever it was, when I said, I was like, I feel a personality crisis coming on. <laughs> and I think it's manifested pretty well. And not to jinx it, knock on wood, I think it's going very well. Because, again, you know, like with small changes comes big changes in attitude Mm -hmm. and i would say i have a very different attitude than i did a month ago or two months ago or even a year ago granted yes in 2019 i had i was like wearing suits every day and i had the 
arguably similar mentality that I'm better than everybody else. But where I'm at right now, it's just like, it's kind of the same notion, but with a different style in mm-hmm. a sense. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's a really weird paradox. I don't know how to describe it, but I guess we'll see how it manifests. Only time will tell. I guess so. But, um, do you have anything else to say about how to work on yourself? I do not. Just love yourself, be a good person, don't be a dick. Ultimately, yes. That's the solution to life. Alright, so, I guess that does it for episode four of Infinity's End. Um, should things go as planned, Ryan will be back for episode five. But, you know what, don't quote me on that because things are subject to change every single freaking day. Um... All in all, of course, always always a great time having the lovely Alyssa DeLuca on our show. Oh, the lovely. Wow. That's how I introduced you the first time. Um, so, like I said, um, stay tuned until episode five. Like I said, hopefully we'll, we'll have Ryan back and we'll talk a little bit. There, there'll be a good amount for us to talk about. I really wanted to talk about um, the weekend's Super Bowl performance, of course. And um, well, we'll figure it out as we go. But at the end of the day, hope everybody has a good week and hope everyone is staying safe out there. Hope everyone has a good night and we will see you on episode five. Have a good night. Woo! (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Have a good night, everybody.